Thanks so much for listening today. We hope that through this message, you are being filled with the grace and hope found in the person of Jesus Christ. If this message and ministry has made an impact on you in any way, be sure to let us know about it by emailing us at mystory@thefuelchurch.com. And even if you couldn't be here in person, be sure to check in with us on Instagram and Facebook to let us and others know that you are listening and growing with us here at Fuel Church. Every month through these check-ins, we are making a global difference. Now, let's jump into this week's message. We're going to take you back 13 years into our dating relationship. So we met in L.A., and during that time, I mean, it was a hot mess. It was a hot mess. It was very dysfunctional. Uh, Chris and I, we, had, we were very immature at the time, no coping methods, and we were codependent. So basically, what that means is we were trying to get our emotional needs met by the other person. Right. And that just gets funky quick because you have expectations <laughs> and the hoops that you have them jump through. If they're not meeting those, it just is just a hot mess. And, and it was a vicious cycle. And we would just take arguments and just just have a memory and, and take a record of those. And then the current argument that you're in, we would bring the past argument and dump it on top mm-hmm. and just, I don't know if you've ever been there before, but it's, it's <laughs> you're just like, messy. what are we even talking yeah, about right now? What cycle. issue are we talking about right now? Yes. And it was just our, our fights. We had a lot of high highs, but we had a lot of low lows in our relationship because we did not know how to deal with conflict. We both grew up in different households that managed conflict differently. Um, even though Danny grew up um, in, a, in a Christian home and I grew up in the South where I went to church every Sunday. I had seeds of faith, you know, in me. Um, my church, you know, they had Bibles in the pew when you got there and you would take them out and use them for when the person was doing like the first or second reading. And then you put the Bible back and you didn't open the Bible again until you got back the next Sunday. And so I really truly didn't ever see anyone opening the word or talking about Jesus or applying the things that were in there to their own life. And so that's what we were bringing together. And when we lived in LA, we justified like everyone else did, even Christians we knew that were like, well, it's really expensive to live here. Let's just move in together and save money. And we're together all the time anyways. And we know we're probably going to get married. So let's just do that. And let me just tell you right now, from our experience, you cannot get all the blessings of being married without actually being married. God blesses what he ordains. And when that covenant happens, that's when the blessing comes, not a second before. And so we were trying to like, but what? And that's why a lot of people, it doesn't work out. They live together and they don't. Well, this just isn't working. So we're going to go this way. And I'm like, oh, we're so missing it so much of the time because we're trying to do things in our own way. And what we think logically makes sense instead of just doing it and trusting it to do it God's way. Because God doesn't see you as one until you're married. Right. He, and he cannot bless your relationship until you're married. He sees you separately. He can bless you separately, but does not see you and cannot put a blessing on the relationship and, until you're married. So you're and you may, be, you may be saying, but you don't understand. We are the cutest couple ever. Uh. <laughs> Look at us. We're meant to be, and God's already shown us marriage. That could be something there to that, but just know that he does not see you as a couple. He sees you as an individual until you say, I do. That's right, until there's a covenant in place. And so we were doing that, and in the midst of our mess, in the midst of our, our fights were so bad that we used to name them based on where they happened. So like if I say Hollywood Boulevard, Get out of my car. You know which fight I'm talking about. He literally kicked me out of the car, and I had to call a friend to come pick me up. It was miserable. Uh, if I say New York City, the uh, rainbow room, rainbow room, yep. had dinner, blew up. nice rest. The restaurant didn't blow up. We blew up in the restaurant. Yes. You knew what I meant. 
And I lit it on fire. You didn't know. I just like. <laughs> As we were walking out, you were like, oh, burn down the memory. Um, but it was awful. That, that was so bad that we actually took separate flights home from New York City. We didn't want to sit next to each other. You know it's bad when you pay a change fee to not be with this person that you're mad at. And so took separate flights home. If I say Colorado Springs. Rental car. The rental car place. Yep. That was also in front of family members who knew that this was post-accepting Jesus and they knew we were Jesus people, and they're like, oh, how's Jesus working out for you? This fight at the rental car place is happening. Yeah, yeah, where's Jesus at, huh? Huh? Is yeah. he in the rent car? I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a mess. Just throw it in our face. Just throwing it in yeah. our face. And so we've had, we've had some fights, y'all. We've yeah, had we're some... not perfect, he is. <laughs> That's right. And so in the midst of this drama, in the midst of the New York City fight, in the midst of all this stuff, Danny gets the crazy idea that we should start going to church. And I'm like... I grew up in the belt buckle of the Bible belt. I went to church my whole life. I, I, what's that going to do for us? It's not going to do anything. And he's like, let's just go. Let's just go one Sunday. So I'm like, fine, I'll go one Sunday. I'll give you one Sunday. So we go, and it's a church that I'd, a kind of church that I'd never been into in my life. Like, there was guitars and drums and singing, and, and people were raising their hands during worship, and there was a, a pastor who didn't look like a priest or a pastor. He just looked like a normal person. He was wearing a yellow shirt and Air Jordans. And, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't even think he went to seminary school. I was a little it bit confused. Really, yeah, there were questions. He had no credentials to be up there. And so I am sitting there like, well, this is going to be a one and done thing. And so, I, But I respected the message. The message was good. The singing was good. I was like, that's pretty good. And then they did something called an altar call at the end of the service where you actually are expected to get up out of your seat and go to the altar and accept Jesus into your life. And I was like, how embarrassing. Oh, I would never do that. And so I'm like, whew. And so I'm just like sitting there waiting for it to be over. During the altar call, I feel movement over here. Someone's standing and it's Danny. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I hope he's going to the bathroom right now. What's happening? Danny stands up during the altar call and goes forward. And I'm thinking, didn't he grow up in church and like put on wigs and sang with his family? Like, what, what's he doing now? Going to receive Jesus. I have to go home with this guy. I still live with him. And he's up there. Not only is he up there, but his hands are up. And he, I think tears were coming down his face. And I'm like, I am freaked out. And so this, I don't even, he, we finished. And my, I had one goal. One goal only at that moment was to get to the car as fast as possible. I didn't want to talk to a person. I didn't, just wanted to get to the car. And so I'm, I'm on mission to go. Danny peels off and goes to the bookstore. Yeah, this church also had a bookstore. Very strange. And he's in the bookstore. And he's buying books on new believer, like being a new believer and your next steps now that you follow Jesus. And I mean, it's like coming, he's like spending his whole paycheck on that. And then he's signing up to be in ministries. This is the first day, y'all. He's like to serve, go and be on the men's team or something. I didn't even know what that was. And I'm like, what are you doing? He was basically wrestling snakes and talking in tongues on the way to the parking lot. And I was like, I was like, can we ease into this, like, Jesus? If you're going to go big, just go all in. I mean, don't stop here. Just- don't stop. And so I was, like, freaked out, y'all. So we go back. We're living together still. But he starts reading the Bible every day. And that irritated me so much. Every time I would hear that thump with the Bible open, I'd be like, oh, it's happening again. And I would have like, I would have like a, because I was hoping it was just going to be like a one and done thing. Like it wasn't really going to change anything in our life. And I'm like, okay, we'll just never talk about that day again, ever. Just go back to being dysfunctional, whatever we are. And so 
I would be like doing my makeup upstairs and I had this sixth sense of when the Bible would open, you know? So I'd be like, mm-hmm, and I'd be like, there is a Bible and it is open in the house. Why I was German, I don't know, but it made me feel better. And I was like, oh, he's doing it again. And so, and then little changes started happening. Like I would instigate a fight, you know? Cause like where I was raised, like if you're gonna fight with someone, just win the fight. Like, however you need to win it, just win it. You know what I'm saying? And so I would like... claps out there for that? Yeah. Tell him. Tell him. <laughs> There's a but coming up, people. There's a but Jesus moment. It happens. Just... Thanks. Because, so, like, he, he grew up in the Partridge family, but my family was, like, the mafia, man. I mean, like... You, like, it was hard to get in because we, like, didn't trust anybody. We're skeptical of everybody. But once you win, like, you ain't leaving. You ain't leaving. Even if I'm, oh. And so I was, like, fighting to win, you know, and I'd pick on uh, something or, or something would irritate me. And I'm like, come on, let's do the thing that we normally do. And then we won't talk for three days and then do it again. And so I would say these things. And Danny, because he'd been reading that Bible, was, like, not fighting back as much. He had moments where it wasn't perfect. But I could definitely tell him, like, What's going on here? What is, what is this? And God was dealing with him saying, look, I know she's a stinker right now. Like she's a bona fide stinker. He's like, but you need to love her right now. You need to love her. Next time she does that, wasn't he telling you that stuff, babe? Don't retaliate. Don't, don't meet. He was reading those scriptures that talk about, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. No, no, no. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but with powers and principalities and spiritual host of wickedness. I mean, he was jumping right in. I told you he's wrestling snakes. And so he's like, I am, I'm going to wrestle with that. I'm going to go to God. I'm going to fight. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do that. And I'm not going to fight with her. I'm not going to do it. And that irritated me too. Y'all could, couldn't, couldn't get anything out of the man. And so there's a women's conference. We were still going to the church. I went back, went back to church because I, I appreciated, you know, the, the teaching and I wanted to stay together with this man. And that's where he was going on Sundays. And so I went and there's a women's conference coming up. And Danny is like praying that I'll go to that women's conference. In the meantime, we break up. The New York City fight that happened, the flight separate, we ended up breaking up and moving out, but we were still going to the same church. Okay. So he's like, go to this women's conference, go to this women's conference, get her there, Lord. Y'all, I went back when he broke up with me. He was not answering my phone calls. He was not responding to my text messages. And back then, you had to spend a lot of time to send a text message. You remember those <laughs> QWERTY keyboard, sidekick, whatever the first things were. It was like, mm, 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 mm. And, and I would work so hard on this text, and he would not text me back. I was so stinking mad. And so I'm going to this church. I, I go to the women's conference, but I was wearing my L.A. club clothes because I was going to go back out with, like, all my party friends, like, pre Like what I used to do before Danny, it was like, you know, going to go hit that Applebee's in Hollywood. You know what I mean? Um, It's happening, whatever the happening place was. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to pop in the back of this women's conference and not stay very long. And the woman that is speaking at the conference was like reading my mail. I hated her too. And she was messing up my plans for the night. And so I ended up staying like two hours. I was only going to stay 30 minutes. And they, she did an altar call too. And your stubborn girl who would never go forward in front of other people because how embarrassing admitting weakness. I felt like angelic hosts were pushing me to the altar that night. I was the first one there and the last one to leave. I don't know to this day if I was the only one that received Jesus that night or if there were hundreds of women at that altar, 
because I was having an intimate face-to-face moment with Jesus. There was some heart surgery going on. There was some all kinds of stuff going on. And eventually they were like, excuse me, ma'am, you do have to leave. Um, We're closing the church. We're really happy that Jesus did something for you, but we do need to go. It's 10 o'clock. And so um, I called Danny on the way home because I really, I wasn't trying to get him back. I was really, I just want to tell him sorry for being a jerk, you know, and asked to ask for forgiveness. And so I call him and he answers after two months of not responding to anything. You want to tell him why you answered? Well, like he said, I was, I was praying that she would get to this women's conference. I knew what it was and I knew that. I just, I wanted her there. I felt like God had something in store for her if she had gone. And I was receiving all of that, that goodness that, uh, that God has to offer us. In the meantime, to take you guys back to the New York story when we got uh, separate flights home, that night we actually was in that restaurant that blew up apparently. Um, <laughs> but after we left dinner, we went separate ways on the street. And man, God just really spoke to me and he told me, very clearly that I needed to get out of the way of what he wanted to do in Kristen's life, that I was really in the way. And I don't know if we've ever been there before, but when you receive Jesus and there's a heart change, there's a life change, and you truly start receiving his love, man, you want it for everyone else around you in your life, especially those that you love. But sometimes we don't always do it the right way. We might hear a sermon that Pastor Jacob you know, taught and, and you, you want to go tell them, but it doesn't always come out the right way. And for me, I was just immature at the time. So I'm trying to fire hose all of this, download this information to her. And the, the problem was she knew my junk. Yeah. You may have family members that know your stuff. Yeah. So they can't receive from you. Mm-mm. And it may not be your words that speaks to them. It just may be your life and your actions and your praying. Yeah. And when you talk about praying, that's the season that I had to learn to pray and war on behalf of someone that I really loved. And it's your first time to do that. First time to understand that. All those years in church, you didn't know how to really just intercede for someone. Did not know how to pray. I stood on the the scripture that says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And I stood on that thing. I said, God, I, I believe in us. I believe that the snapshots that you gave me of us doing this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so I prayed in that season and of, of, that she would get to that women's conference. And so when it finally happened, when, when, when she finally called me at 10, 15 at night, I pick up the phone, believing for the best. And I heard humility on the other end of the phone that I had never heard. And I knew that it was real. I knew that God had touched her life that night. Mm-hmm. She said, Danny, I felt like God just like stuck his hand down through a cloud of fears that have owned my life mm-hmm. and just rescued me from those fears. Mm-hmm. And she said, I'm just sorry. I'm sorry yeah. for everything that came out of that, yeah. out of those fears. Because, man, fear is nasty and it will run your life. And it was it was, it was dictating Kristen's behavior and her emotions, and then I would let it play me. And so we're, there's fear up in our home, and we're both wrestling with it. Yep. So we, we, we meet. She said, would you mind meeting for, for dinner? I said, absolutely. We met for dinner that night, talked it out, and said, we're going to do this the right way. We both, from that point, were committed to, to, to saturate. Staying moved out. Staying moved out. Com- staying in church. Staying in church. We saturated ourselves in the house of God, got around people who had what we wanted. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, it was really positioning myself around men in the church who had what I wanted. 
Like I said before, I was very immature. All of the handlings of our relationship and all the messiness, I had no tools. I had no tools. If you don't have, if you, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And so for me, I said, I got to get around people that have what I want. The old saying, if you want what they have, do what they do, get what they got. I entered to a church that had men of God that were strong in their faith. They truly had an intimate, loving relationship with Jesus. And I'm like, man, I've seen men of the world and I've seen what society says of men. That's a real man right there. I saw the integrity and the faithfulness of these men, the way that they treated their spouse, the way they they were with their prayer life the way they treated children, how they were engaged with their children. Yeah. I'm like, man, that's what I want. I desire that in my life because there's a call. If there's a call on my life, which I have heard before, but what does that mean? If there truly is a call and a plan and a purpose that God has specifically designed for you, man, count me in. Why am I trying to figure this thing out and manufacture my life when the creator has this plan designed specifically for me? So I said, let me just fall in love with you, Jesus, whatever that looks like, because I've tried it my other ways, and I have failed every time, and I end up back on my knees every time. So how about I just surrender it all, say, here I am, God, and trust you with this relationship that I have, and let you be the healer in our life. That's right. Very good, babe. It's good. It's good. So spoiler alert, we got back together. And um, got married, and y'all, we didn't know what we were saying. When we said I do, we didn't know all that was in store. We should just say I have no clue instead of I do, because that's real, the real truth. We had 10 years of marriage, and, and we didn't know we were going to go through a miscarriage together. We didn't know that my dad was going to have a heart attack when I was just 33 years old. We didn't know we were going to have financial struggle. And that the divorce word was going to get thrown out in one of our arguments. Because, guys, even though we knew Jesus, we were still flawed. And things still got hard. And hopelessness still tried to enter in. And fear tries to come back because the Bible says fear is a spirit. And we had to learn how to tell it to go. And And to do that for each other and to cover each other. Y'all, we have, to, we have to make Jesus our daily bread moment to moment in our relationships. If there's a relationship in here, whether it's a friendship, a, a fiance, a, a, a spouse, whatever it is, our only hope is to focus on falling in love with Jesus ourselves. There's no fixing it. I wish I had something to give you today right now that would say, this is going to fix, go fix your marriage and do it would have nothing to do with your spouse. It would have nothing to do with the past. It would, have, it would be all about, I want you to go just get in Jesus' face and fall in love with him. Root yourself in worship. Root yourself in worship. Most of our problems start in the spiritual realm, not in the physical world. And so they're going to get solved in the spirit realm. So you got to get in that place, get in that place and access it. And we all have the same access. Pastor Jacob doesn't have some secret key that he gets to go to heaven and the throne room and talk to God more than we do. We all have access. If you know Jesus, then you have access to the father. 
and everything that is his is yours. But I can't expect Danny to meet my needs. That's an impossible, no human can take that, to meet every need of somebody else. I can't even meet my own. Jesus meets our needs. How crazy would that be if I'm up here trying to get him to meet my needs and Jesus is up there going, baby, I met every need that you're ever going to need on the cross. What are you doing? I'm your Prince of Peace. You don't not have peace because Danny has been a knucklehead for three days or vice versa. You don't not have joy in your life because he's just not making you happy every second. I'm your Prince of Peace. In my presence is fullness of joy. So why are you trying to blame Danny on you not having joy? You haven't been in my presence. And let me do that for you. And I find that when I go get rooted in worship and in Jesus' face and I fall in love with him more, half the stuff I'm mad about, I don't even remember when I get out of there. Or I'll get something on my heart and he'll reveal something to me and I'm like, oh, Danny's hurting in that area. Let me pray for him in that area. What need can I meet of his? What, how can I serve him right now? We should be out serving each other, guys, and not out to get each other or to like take our magnifying glass around and go, oh, there's another fault. There's another fault. There's another fault. You're just a mess, and I'm unhappy because you're just, you can't get it together. No. God has a higher purpose for our marriages than our happiness. It's for our holiness. He's using this gift right here to refine our heart. If you have kids, they're your refiners too. It's not them and they're acting out that's the problem. It's our own heart issue. And when we can let God just do what he does, then we start responding in love. We start having patience. We start forgiving quicker. The little things that used to irritate us, the stupid things that don't matter at the end of the day, they just bounce right off of us. You can't offend someone that has died to themselves. So that's what I want to commit to do for my marriage and my relationships is say, God, I surrender to you. Help me to die to myself today. Fill me up with more of you, God. Give me eyes to see people the way that you do. And that has to start. If you're married, it has to start with our spouse. Loving your neighbor starts right here. You're the closest one to you. That's our ministry that we have to take most care of is the one that's in the home. That's right. That's good. The daily dying to self. The selflessness. We can't enter into a true relationship with Christ without dying to self. When you make that commitment, it is like, man... I don't have it all together. I don't know all the answers, but I'm willing to believe that he does. And so when we do that, and for single people, man, you have this greatest opportunity right now to break the addiction of yourself. For selfishness, to learn how to get past selfishness, because until we can learn to get past that, we'll never be able to enter a a relationship in a healthy way. Man, I'll never forget when I broke the addiction of me. Man, it was just a moment that I said, wow, I felt like my life just began. Yeah. At 33 years of age, 
People would have called me a nice guy. Man, he comes from a good family, nice guy. But I knew in my niceness, I knew how to manipulate, and I made it all about me. It wasn't until I said, wow, that's what a servant's heart looks like. That's what living a life outside of me and for others looks like. Man, it was freedom. It was freedom. I touched and tasted freedom for the very first time. It's It's a life that is why we're here to live. It's what God has given us to serve others, to love others, to empty ourselves out. But we'll never be able to get there unless we receive the unconditional love from our Father. We can never try to attempt to give a love that is in our own strength. We'll try to manufacture change and love how we think love should be but we're doing it wrong. We have to go before our Father and say, I need to receive this agape, unconditional love from you. Then I can pour that out to my spouse or the ones that I love. Our love always has conditions. Always has conditions. Human love always has conditions. And y'all, God is love. The only way we're gonna really have a true snapshot of what love looks like is by knowing him and knowing his words. That's right. Because the culture was gonna give you a different definition of love. You're not going to get all you need to know about love by watching TV shows and what they say about it or looking to Hollywood. Pornography is not going to teach you about love. It's going to give you this impression that love holds you down when God wants to lift you up. You know, love doesn't keep you in bondage. It frees you. It frees you. So make sure you're looking to the right places of what a godly love looks like. That's right. It starts at the cross. It starts there where, you're, where a life was poured out for us. And in any relationship, it's got to be zero, 100. I'm pouring out 100 expecting nothing back from Danny. Yeah. I'm going to get something back because that's just how God designed it when that's you're right. pouring yourself out. But I don't expect it. Yeah. And he does the same for me. That's right. The 50-50 thing sounds good, but it's not true. Yep. <laughs> it's giving 100% of ourselves, expecting nothing in return. Nothing in return. And guys, whatever, if, you've, if there's been brokenness in your relationship, if there has been hurt and, and torment, or maybe you've been married for years, but we're just kind of existing. Man, we speak against that today. Let's, let's take on new vision. Next level God stuff. gave me snapshots of Chris and I doing exactly what we're doing now, but it was 12 years until it actually came to pass. Yeah. 12 years of us getting in, digging in, kicking Satan out of our relationship and our homes, you know, rebuking the past and what had happened there. It was 12 years. We have to start getting vision of what God sees. Lord, what does the healthy relationships look like to you? What is this marriage that is hurting and suffering now? What does that look like? Gentlemen, I challenge us right now that we have to get, we have to get vision and a mission statement on our walls at our house that say, this is where this family's going. This is where this marriage is going. And I want to tell you right now, it only takes one of us the man or the woman in the home. It only takes one of us to fully commit to living a life surrendered, fully surrendered to Jesus Christ for there to be change. Because with the king on our side, we do not lose. We win at this thing. And I don't care if it takes 12 years or 25 years, but I want to stand before my maker one day and say, God, I want you to be proud of me.
I want to make my daddy proud. And so that's got to be for us. You take the first step. I'm telling you, you, he is our strength. When we don't feel like it and we're weak, he is our strength. He will condition you and shape you and, and mold you into looking more like him daily. And I'm telling you, our spouse, our loved ones around us, the family members who have gone astray, they will come back because of the life that we're living. We claim him for the kingdom of God. Yep. So that's where we need to be. Let's get that vision. Close your eyes. Whatever you got to do. And like Kristen said, let's fall in love with Jesus, guys. Yeah. Let's fall in love with him. Let's fall in love with Jesus. Yeah. We don't have time for you to no, talk it's about okay. Grandpa Dia. It's okay. Okay. Um, well, we just thank you guys for being with us. Um, when you make a change in your marriage, it's not just for you. It's for your kids. For right. your kids' kids. Come on. For generations to come. God is always thinking like a million steps ahead of us, right? He wants your kids to be able to anchor into a strong foundation of faith that you've created Mm. so that they don't have to start from scratch and that their kids don't have to start from scratch. Mm. We should be building, right? Come on. Building and building and building. And the enemy knows that. That's right. He's generationally minded too. He knows how easy it is to mess up generations. Don't let him do it. Put your selfishness down and be a tool of grace in your home. Allow God to be a refiner. Use you to be a refiner. Iron sharpens iron. Be that in your home. Grab your spouse's hand. Grab your fiance's hand. If you're single, just grab a hand. I don't care. Just grab somebody's hand. Let's pray. Father God, we love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. You're a good, good father. And I thank you that you know, every hair on our head, that your plans for us are good and not of evil. For the married people in here, I love that you're not surprised at what's going on in any of these homes, whether it's good or bad or somewhere in between. You knew we'd all be here at this very moment. And you're not afraid. The problem's not too big for you, Jesus. You're just waiting. You're waiting. You're hovering. Your spirit is hovering waiting for us to just invite you in, to speak a word, to surrender, to say, Jesus, come. Heal the broken places, God. Renew, make things new. Father, let forgiveness come. Let reconciliation come. Father, I pray for your glory your glory to be shown through each and every relationship here. Bring hope to our hearts, God. Thank you, Father. We love you in Jesus' name. Once again, thanks for joining us for this week's message. If you would like to know more about us, be sure to visit us at thefuelchurch.com. It's also here where if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can click on the online giving tab. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And we hope and pray you have a blessed week.